Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. Thank you so much for being here. I have a great episode in store for you today with Miss Lori Brooks. She is uh, an adventurer, a hiker, and a woman who set out on a journey the year before she turned 60 and ended up surpassing it really beyond uh, her wildest expectations. I had the great pleasure to meet her in person and um, take a hike together last week, which was wonderful. And she is indeed a woman with a lot of moxie. So I think you'll enjoy this episode and and the inspiration that Lori's able to share from her journey. And in other news, speaking of hikes, I've started uh, the Sober Girls Hiking and Adventure Club. I encourage you to join if you like the outdoors, if you like hiking and nature, if you want to explore more practices, more somatic practices in nature, we're going to be doing some guided practices here in San Diego, uh, mindfulness and meditation, as well as, of course, we will have online offerings. And my goal and hope with this is really to create a community globally at some point, but, but for now, focusing on North America. And so anyone is welcome to join the group. If you are a woman, you identify as a woman and you love to hike, or you want to get into hiking, or you just want some sober sisters to explore the outdoors with, and really a a community to help support your inner wild. So I'll drop the link in the show notes. I'm really excited about it. It's We've got a great group that's grown really fast, so I think a lot of the women are also excited about it. So I'd love to have you take part. We already do have a community hike set for the San Diego area next month. So if you join the group, you'll get all of that information. We've got a full moon uh, event that's going to be coming up for June as well, but I haven't announced that yet. So stay tuned. I hope that you are well. Thank you for tuning into the show. Please tell one friend about the show. And if you can uh, like, and subscribe on the platform of your choice, you can leave a review. I, I do read all of them and they, they mean a great deal to me that you take the time to do that. But all of these actions on your part helps the podcast to grow and just continue to get our message out there and all of the wonderful information from our guest experts who take time out of their busy days to join me here and and share their stories with all of us. So thank you for being here, for being a part of this show, and I hope you come and join our hiking community. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and please enjoy this, this episode with Lori. Hi, thanks for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And today I have with me a very special woman named Lori Brooks. And Lori is an accomplished published writer and a photographer. She published her first memoir in February of 2020. And I just read her memoir this weekend and it's lovely. So we'll talk about it and I highly recommend it. But her memoir covers a landmark and poignant slice of time in her life. On the edge of her 59th birthday, Lori experienced an awakening on a solo hike in Death Valley National Park, which led to a divinely gifted idea of hiking her way to her 60th birthday with no other agenda than to transform her health. It became known as the 60-60 journey, 60 hikes to 60 years. What actually transpired in that year and beyond is what she calls her unintended 
Positive Consequences of Hiking, which is also the title of her memoir. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Lori. Thanks for having me. Very exciting. I loved your book. It was so something really beautiful about the way you tell your story and how refreshing and real and also inspiring and courageous it is. I really felt like I was right there with you on a lot of those hikes. And it was really inspiring for me to just go out and I really wanted to go hiking after I read it. So I really loved that. Could you tell us just a little bit more about what led you to create the book and to, to do the 6060 journey and, and just a bit more about your story? All I can say really is it wasn't something that I, I set out to do. I, had, I was on assignment with a climate education group here in San Diego. And in 2016, we were having a super bloom probably in all of California, but specifically uh, Death Valley was just on fire with, with, I think it had been 15 years. So I had bought, just bought a, a new, what I call my ro- a road tripping car. And that was on a Tuesday. And then on a Wednesday, I watched Robert Redford's film, The National Park Adventure at the IMAX theater in San Diego. <laughs> and then Wednesday morning, I packed up my car and, and headed to Death Valley to uh, see the super bloom. So at that point, I'm a photographer and I'm a writer, but a photographer first at that point. So I went there primarily to shoot the bloom and I inquired about a couple trails in Death Valley from a, a local employee. And that's part of the story, which is kind of a funny one. And I set out on this um, <laughs> solo hike that day, wearing a ridiculous outfit. And I think I had a couple bottles of water stuffed in my camera bag along with my camera. And I was wearing a skirt and I don't know, I was just having, really just having fun with myself, uh, laughing at myself. And so I, I got on this trail and I went up a ravine, which, I felt was calling me to do that. It wasn't a trail, it was just an offshoot. And it was, that was where an epiphany happened for me going up that I felt so held by mother nature, so safe. I, I can't, it's hard to explain, but going up that ravine was just magical. And I also, my heart rate was out of control and I was having thoughts like, oh, I'm not going to, I could die here mm. in Death Valley. But on the heels of that also was, well, if this is where I'm going to go, this is amazing. And I felt like this strange peace came over me, just washed over me. Obviously I didn't die. <laughs> and I made it out of there. And the only thing that I had going for me was a pair of hiking boots that I'd had for a year and I still don't even know why I have them, have them. So I feel like all of those things were serendipitous moments creation for a journey I was going to, didn't know I was going on. At the same time, my parents were both in really poor uh, health condition. And so when I got the, I call it the divine download, which happened a couple of weeks later, I wasn't thinking about taking a hiking journey or really 
thinking much about my impending 60th birthday or at that time it would be my 59th birthday coming. But it all just kind of, it came in as um, like, wow, I, I really chronologically speaking only have a, a third left of my life. And how do I wanna, how do I wanna be physically having seeing my parents and their condition? How do I wanna be for this next leg? And I got this hit, I'm gonna hike my way to 60. And then I'm a marketing person too, right? So I get 60, 60 journey and the logos being created in my mind. And, and so I had a pair of hiking boots and I had Moxie and I went, I had a book, I call it the Hiking Bible of San Diego County. It's the A Foot in a Field by Jerry Shad, now rewritten by Scott Turner. And I would just uh, flip open pages and go, yep, I'm going to go do that. And it was uh, primarily just to set myself up for a, a better last third. And my parents were the inspiration, or I, I like to say the reverse inspiration for that. Yeah. And you... I don't know, did I answer that? Yes. It felt like a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, well, I asked you about your story, which I think in essence it, it should be a long-winded answer because you have a you have a long and winding story that's full of richness. So I'm glad that you wrote it down <laughs> so <laughs> others can can read it. And did right? yeah. Yeah. Did you? I mean, I love that you talk about having moxie because clearly you you really do. And I'm I'm curious, like in those early days when you would just go out and start hiking, if you did have to overcome any like doubtful thinking or any kind of negative thought patterns or anything like that, or if you were really just I'm doing this, I'm gung ho, I'm going. I didn't really. I felt like almost like childlike, like this was new for me. I wasn't a hiker and, you know, like children do like something new, you know, they don't, don't think about dangers or uh, would have, could have, or should have, should do's or not should do's and have good intuition. So I, I depended on that a lot, but not really thinking about it. I learned as I went, I didn't ask any, I didn't ask anybody any, that's not true. Mostly I didn't ask anybody any advice. What I did do was in social media said, Hey, here's what I'm doing. I put it out there. If you have a favorite trail, come hike with me or tell me what it is. And that opened up this whole world. I didn't know there were all these friends I had who <laughs> were hiking people. And so I, it, I went into a whole new community. I, I, like I said, I learned as I went, you know, I learned about, I learned about distance. I learned about uh, elevation gain. I learned about water, my consumption, personal consumption. You know, there's no formula for that. I learned about food consumption, you know, what, what worked for me. It was all uh, trial and error. I learned what, what my, uh, I did. I had no trepidations. I really was like a two-year-old going, what's that? What's that? Let's do that. Someone would say, let's go do 
let's go hike Noble Canyon. It's, it's 20 miles out and back. And I go, I think I can do that. There's a chapter in there about that one. That was, that made, that trail made me cry. Uh, but everything, and, and this is why the, so I started documenting what I was calling my un, unintended consequences. Originally, it was a, on my blog. And it was things like, you know, losing 20 pounds that I didn't even realize I was losing. That's a funny chapter in the book. And as I do in my life, looking only at the silver linings and the positives. Yes, you know, these, some of these things were hard and busted me down. There were so many jewels in them. So I didn't intend to write a book. I was kind of getting in sync with um, the company here in San Diego called Adventure 16, which sadly is uh, not around anymore. And many people may know about John Mead and Adventure 16, who was around since 19, I want to say 59. And they were a genuine family-based outdoor retailer. And so I met him and he he's my age group and he heard my story and he, he was the one who said, this is your book. You need to have a book. And he wanted me to be a presenter at the store. And so John, I give John a lot of credit for that because the, the book was super easy to write because I just took these many, many, many journeys and, and found jewels in them to, to share with other people. That was really the, the whole impetus of the book. Did you, when you were like, before you had the idea for the book, were you just writing these as, I know you, you have a blog, were they blog entries or journal entries or sort of how often did you write like while you were going through the 60 to 60 in your hiking journey? Was it a, every time you would hike, you would sit down and write, or what was your writing process like? Yeah. So the, I, I'm not a, what I, I would call a force writer, a forced writer where, you know, I sit down and I, and I make myself write something. So I'm more of an inspired writer. So when I get like a thought about something, then I'll, I'll start my, my writing around that. And there was plenty of those um, situations or um, things, I don't know, things, jewels to, to write about, whether it was, you know, the, the story about losing the weight and my whole REI story around that or <laughs> curing a hangover. And some of this, the, some of the things that I, that I wrote about, they just, I was just inspired to, I thought they were funny, you know, mostly self, what's the word, self-deprecating, yes. you know, making fun of yourself. Yeah. So <laughs> you can't laugh at yourself. So I would write about those things. And then there were, you know, I won't, I won't lie. There's some serious stuff that, you know, is in there around grief and, um, but positive things around grief work and, you know, recovering from grief. And, and what was really fascinating when I decided once to go, so to answer your question, yeah, I was just writing them as things came up and I thought they were great nuances to write about. And then when I wrote them 
fluff them out or flesh them out as a, you know, bigger paragraphs. There was so much more to tell because they were really like maybe three or four liners as a, in a blog, but they were great prompts. So when I sat down to write the book, you know, it didn't, took me a year and with all the, you know, it's not a huge book with all the proofing and, and things like that. But the other fascinating part about writing some of these stories, instances of like the grief or creativity or cancer even, things that actually were part of my story. There's, I learned, because I think like many writers, you know, there's research involved. And I found out that these, that there were direct connections of things I was experiencing scientifically being studied or proven, Stanford, Harvard, and some universities in uh, Germany, that I, I got to share as like credibility to the things that were happening to me or, or thoughts that I had that, I don't know, were confirmed or became credible because really everything was was really done through a, a naive a naivete I, there's a chapter just on naivete which i think it doesn't mean irresponsibility it just means with childlike wonder and it's such a it's such a great place to to experience new things from yeah, it's a great place to explore from. I think when you're on any kind of journey like that, whether you're hopping in the car and road tripping or you're you're jumping off a cliff, either you know, figuratively or literally, it's you know, a cliff with like a paraglider or something. I'm not advocating someone just jump off a cliff, but uh, or into water, or something like that. But it's that, yeah, that feeling of just like, what's gonna happen next? This is exciting. And can I be like curious about this? And I love that approach. Yep. I like too, Lori, how community is such a big part of your story, because I think this could like a journey like this really could be isolationist or very like, you know, solo, but I love that you, you really, you posted about it and you brought in this whole community. You went to the, the adventure adventure 16 is the name of that store. I'm sorry. They're not around. I'd love to go check that out. Um, yeah. Adventure 16. But you really brought you. Well, a it's no longer, no longer because of COVID, but you brought in this whole aspect of community into your journey. And I'm curious, like how that kind of transferred over to the rest of your life. Like when you're not out hiking, but just to have this broader support system or broader network of people that you never really knew were were there in that way. Like if that, how that affected the rest of your life. It, it certainly brought in a, a, a different group of people that were now on the same, I don't know, have the same like-mindedness, like-mindedness of the outdoor. And it's hooked me into a lot of really great people who are out there doing similar things, but for different reasons, but with the connection of you know, of nature, 
one sweet thing is occasionally I will get a woman who reaches out to me and tells me they started their own journey. And, uh, you know, I had zero intention of inspiring anyone or, you know, helping them launch anything. It, writing uh, the book was really a very, just a very cathartic process for me didn't in, intend, you know, to be some bestseller or even write the book in the first place, but it's out there. And I don't know, that's, um, I think that's been the biggest plus or effect, if you will, of, of community. Because of, I see my, I see my readership or my, you know, my audience as women because women have, we just have a lot of different things that we go through in life. And, and then out on the trails, you know, a solo woman hiker, a lot of judgment around that, but not necessarily the male species. No one really asked them, you go solo hiking, you know, it's so, so there's, a, there's just a, a lot there. And uh-huh. Yeah. And women have, I know a lot of women who have a lot of just fear of, <laughs> I, I'm laughing a little bit, you know, of the, the wildlife, what's out there? Like, well, what's in the city? I would much rather, and I've taken some courses, so I know what I'm supposed to do when, what, when wildlife is, is there, I'd much rather take my chances on a trail. I mean, I mean that in a really serious way. It's a beautiful place. And we have this amazing intuition as women. And I know like the, tra uh, the trails that I have done where I've heard get out, I left. And they were urban trails. They were near the city, near the city. Yeah. So I pay attention to those things. But I think that the women connection the fear factor, it's so empowering to be out there. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing with the community. I did, uh, when I started this and I went to A16, Enter 16, to every talk, it didn't matter if it was about mountain climbing or nothing that I was necessarily going to do, but I wanted, I just, education. So I wanted to just hear it all, not that I was going to replicate, but I just wanted to just really feel it all, what everyone else was doing and be inspired by other people. I think it is really inspiring and in much the same way your book is inspiring. And um, yeah, I woke up, I read your book, I think on Saturday, and then I woke up Sunday and I, I was like, I definitely want to hike today. And I, I think that was just in large part from listening to your, you know, reading your stories and, you know, I love to hike too. So it's so fun just to be kind of in that with someone else and be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go do that today because I remember how fun it is like through the eyes of, of this other person. And, and I'm really glad you mentioned the, the bit about women and and the sort of the weird like stereotype or double standard there is about women hiking alone. And I have a lot of women that will ask me, uh, you know, about that. Is it safe? Is it okay? Like, how do you, 
go out there by yourself. And you really don't see that with men, which is so dumb. Like what is a man going to do against a bear any better than a woman? I mean, like nothing or a mountain lion, probably nothing. So I just, I think that's, you know, to all women who are thinking about going out hiking, you definitely can be safe and all that, but you're, there's no reason not to simply because you have a vagina and not a penis. I mean, that's not a reason to not go solo hiking. That's, it doesn't disqualify you. It's dumb. Yeah. And as dumb. with everyone, you know, men do dumb things out there and get lost and fall off cliffs and, you know, just saying, yeah. Uh, but there's a you know there's a protocol it's called common sense you know let someone know you're going have that person you know i have that i have those people i can say hey and if i don't come back here's where i was and be prepared be prepared be aware yeah take lots of water take snacks yeah i Oh, I always want to those things. Yes. Is it (laughs) better to go hike with somebody? I think so. But you know what? I could, I couldn't always depend on finding someone. So I wasn't going to let that get in in my way of going out and accomplishing my, you know, my goal. Yeah. Yeah. And nor should you. I only did, which is an interesting thing. I did 43 hikes alone out of the not to give away the story, but I ended up doing 180 hikes instead of 60 in one year. Only 43 were done by myself. It felt a lot, like a lot more because a lot of times it was group hikes, right? There were people around, but I felt I was still hiking a solo hike because I'm, I'm not a big chatty chatter on the trail. I'm in, I'm inward and I'm thinking a lot or designing or just creating or whatever it is healing and so anyway there's that there is something there i last last year i don't know you know covid it must have been 2019 i did my first overnight by myself now i have camped alone i have solo road trip but i hadn't done the backpacking overnight solo and it kept coming up like, why? What's, what's the fear? What is this? What is this? I still don't really know. And so I did it. I was annoyed by the volume. I hiked there. <laughs> I didn't really think about me. But I did it. Check. Where'd you and go? It's, it's fascinating. I went up Southridge Trail in Idlewild to the midpoint. Uh, it's called Contemplation Rock. Some people call it Lunch Rock. Uh, what else do they? And they call it a bunch of things. And it wasn't far away, four miles or so. But I just needed to do that. And then we'll see if I venture out and do anything longer with that. But I think that was in, in, like important to do. Some women have never even done an overnight with anyone out in the wilderness and you know i i have a loose idea of wanting to do something like that to help women do any of it yeah yeah Yeah, i think it's it is really empowering (laughs) and i see on on um 
Yeah, and I see so many times on on uh, like women hiking group pages, Facebook. Like, how should I prepare? You know, they show, shouldn't ask me that. How should I prepare? Like, get a good pair of hiking boots, carry some water, and just go. Yeah, just go. Yeah, it's especially now because there's like technology where you can have downloadable maps or you can just take a trail that's really well marked. But I feel like it's easier now than it was 20 years ago or something when I started hiking. And uh, yeah, the downloadable maps, like you can go out there and be reasonably safe, even without a lot of orienteering skills, especially yeah. for a, a day hike, you know, tell someone where you're going. Yeah, grab your water and just go. Yeah, be you out there. just go. Yeah. There's so many people. There's so many great trails where there's a lot of people and by and large, the hiking community is kind and helpful and you're not really alone. Absolutely. So there's that. So you talk about some of the hikes that were really difficult and, and I think you called them hikes that made you cry and El Cajon Mountain was one that I've hiked as well and it's such a beast and it's so hard. And I'm curious what happens for you when you're in those moments where it is hard and you're out there and it's like physically demanding and, and you've, you've got to keep going because you're out in the middle of this hike. Like, what do you, how do you talk to yourself or, or what happens when you kind of dig deep to get through those? How do you get through those, the, the times when it is really hard? Well, so the, the, the mountains that have made me cry were or and hikes were so varied like let's see El Cajon Mountain hardest hike in San Diego in my opinion agree just because it, it's three uphills and and then down and then up and, and and then you have to do that on the way back and and so anytime you're having to do go uphill when you're, when you're psychologically know you're getting down off the mountain, man, it's brutal. That one was, I think I was just more uh, upset at myself because I had, I had gone on this hike alone and, and I knew it was touted as a beast and I got to the top, no problem. And then on the way back, I got turned around. I had no nav skills, navigation skills. So this is part of the naivete and learning. And so I, I had a panic moment of, oh my God, I'm lost. This might sound dumb, you know, people who know that mountain, cause you know, how lost can you get? But I felt lost and I felt afraid. And, and anyway, there was an, like an angel up at the top who saw me wandering around and he helped me down off the mountain. Uh, he, he says, that's happened to me. And hmm. so as nice. we were going back down, I know he was this uh, ER nurse and, and I could tell he was, had a fast pace. Plus I needed to just have a cry by myself. <laughs> and so I said, thanks so much. And, you know, go on your way and, and I'll, I'm fine now. So on the way down, I was crying. I was crying because I was upset at myself, not so much because of the difficulty. That makes mm -hmm. sense. And then the, the other one was Mount Baldy. I did Mount Baldy and that was a really, really hard hike. And it was a training hike for me to go and um, out into the Sierras with a backpack to 
resupply someone doing two friends doing the John Muir trail, which was super important, right? You got to get their food to them. So Mount Baldy was a training for not only elevation, see if I would have altitude issues. I didn't know that about myself and also distance. And that was just horrible. <laughs> and I was hiking with two other women and they were like way ahead of me. And so then I got into self-judgment, you know? So I, we all need to learn, right? You hike your own hike, just like, just like anything in life, you know? You can't judge yourself against the other. Yeah. And I was. And so I was crying going up that hill, hill, mountain. And they were way ahead of me. And, and what was funny about that is the, the one gal I was actually going to do the Sierra hike with to resupply our friends. She, <laughs> this is a difference between my personality and a lot of other people. Even though she bolted up there, I think, in my words. She declined to do the, the trip, the resupply, but I still agreed to do it. Now I was going to be taking both of their food. That's that. a lot to carry too. Cause you're carrying food for what? Four days at that section of the trail. Pass. Well, I was going to be doing Kearsarge pass, Kearsarge pass, Kearsarge pass. So that would be their last leg to get to Mount Whitney. Mm-hmm. So probably about so eight days worth because four for each for each it's a lot of food that's heavy but I was going to meet them at you know what well what seemed like how do I know what did I know at that point uh, which seemed doable anyway she uh, she abandoned that and they actually blew by me so I didn't have to resupply them but I did go ahead and go on that uh, as my first backpacking trip and that uh, trail made me cry too, but it was about the beauty. Mm. It was hard, but it was unbelievable, you know, just weeping at the, the beauty in the Sierra Mount, mountains. Yeah. And then Noble Canyon, another silly, you know, don't go hiking with your marathon, ultra marathoning friend. Who does now she's up to 100 miles oh my gosh so I went with her and so I went with her and this is where I learned about heat and it's good to know how hot trails are you know now you carry a thermometer just it's just about awareness and I thought I had enough water and I thought my um, hydration pack was broken when in fact I had drained I had drained my, my water supply with seven miles to go on the trail. Scary. Yeah. I thought I was going to die. So that was a hard lesson to learn, but I learned apple slices are good, but I, I was crying like a, like a baby. Yeah. I just thought, I, I can't believe this is happening. I'm going to die out here. <laughs> it's intense though. 20 miles. It's cause it's 20 each. Is it's it 20, 10 each way, 10 each way. That's still, that's a lot in one go. Oh, it's a lot. And I don't want to do See, that. This is where I was learning like oh, I'm 20. I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can, 
I did, but it's about, it's, it's just, it's just all a learning curve. You know, it was, it was, um, it's a funny story, you know, but I did learn a lot of things about myself and the, the whole journey is, you know, like life. We just keep learning about what we're made of, what breaks us down, what keeps us going, you know, what we can, you know, our resilience, what we can do. Yeah. What are some of the the biggest insights that you feel like you took away from, you know, kind of kicking this off? And I know it didn't end with, with the, the one year and the 180 hikes, but cause I know obviously you still go out and hike and do fun things and push yourself and live an adventurous life. But I'm curious about like any insights that you kind of gained from being on the trails and, and pushing yourself and, and being, you know, having that idea of naivete, like how does that translate into your, into your life or what are some of the biggest takeaways for you? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think no matter what we do, we're already that person. Hmm. And so how, how I am, you know, with, I, I, I do have moxie. I mean, I just do. And uh, whether I'm doing, you know, I can't even think of anything right now, starting a business or try, just trying anything new. So this was just one more trying anything new. And I just learned really so much about, wow, what's, what's out there that I, you know, I, I had what I call like my first life or my, maybe my second life as a married woman, raising children. And, and now, you know, they're all off, they're grown men doing their own lives. And now it was my time to do something else. And this is just one of many something else's. And it's just this huge um, world out there that I know I can if I want to go see that, I know I can do it. Mm. And I know I can, well, okay. You know, one thing, and this doesn't really have to do with the 60, 60 journey, but sort of the things that started fueling it was at 58, I'd been dreaming of being a gypsy like all my life, but I think my astrology just still has me as this very grounded person with I'm in Aries, but I also have Gemini and Capricorn and there's a lot of grounding going on there. So I call myself a responsible gypsy. Mm-hmm. So I can never like totally go off, way off, right? But I always had this thought like, oh man, I really want to go on a road trip. Why I couldn't get myself to go do that. I had n- nobody holding me back. Me, I was holding me back. So at 58, I finally got in the car and drove to Yosemite and I camped there by myself. And what I learned, and this might resonate with somebody because I couldn't figure it out. Why can't I leave? Like what's holding me? And it was this, I think this idea of being alone with me. And what I learned was I'm kind of (laughs) cool and I'm kind of fun. And like the child, you know, like I, played a lot with myself, self, a little self-reflective, like to read books in my room, like to just kind of watch people. I'm an observer. So I made so much fun out of that trip. I couldn't believe 
really how fun that was and how fun I was. And now it's just like, um, so that was like, get in the car, go. Now it's like, get on a trail, go. Not stoppable. Yeah, just keep going. And what was really truly divine about this year, 59 to 60 with both, with now what I know the plight of my parents' health was, I was meant to go on that journey like nothing else ever in my life. Nothing got in my way. No, nothing with my parents, no medical emergencies, no injuries that I couldn't get past. Nothing got in my way. And I, I now, of course, you know, four years later, I, I'm, I review that all the time for lots of reasons. Because five months after I completed the journey, my father suffered a stroke and died. And my mother, mother followed him a year later from her specific issues. And that could have happened during that year. Yeah. And it didn't because I was meant to take it because I was going to need this pre-healing I'm getting goosebumps right now, pre-healing because I was going to have, be grieving those people for the next, still am three or four years and needing, needing all that mother nature gave me in 180 hikes to help, you know, help my mother after my father and then deal with the, the passing of her. And I'm, I feel amazingly uh, blessed by that. And then also just the, the psycho my psychology, my mental, my emotional wellness would not, I don't know. I, I really don't know how well I would have navigated all of that had I not had that one solid year just freewheeling all over the place, you know, yeah. hiking and absorbing all of the goodness. It's like it filled your tank. Oh, yeah. With extra gallons right in the back. Mm -hmm. That's I, it's the only way I can look at it. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I think nature really does build our internal resilience like that. It, it like replenishes us because we are nature. You know, it's weird. We live so separate from it and act like it's not, we're not the same, you know, really as biological entities on the planet. It's like, no, no, that's, we, we are that, that is yeah, us. Yeah. The we same. Just, we just pretend we're not. And then it causes us to suffer. I think. Yeah. I'm glad you had that year too. That's wonderful that you did. That does feel like just divine intervention in it. Yeah. In a really big way. Yeah. And it's really wonderful that you wrote about it and that your book's out there and other people can share in it with you and your story in that way just kind of multiplies. And I think you even spread some of that filling of the tank, you know, through inspiration and, and through encouragement to, Hey, just go, just get out there. You can do it. Cause I think we need to go back to nature. Like all of us as a human society, <laughs> like, let's just go out there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you, any other pieces of advice or anything else you'd like to, to say, um, or promote, definitely promote your book. 
before we sign off today? You could do advice and promote your book. It doesn't have to just be one thing. You could say more than one. Oh man, I don't know. You know, I love Nike's tagline, right? Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Don't wait. You know, how many times do we not listen to divine guidance, intuition, messages? As women, this is, this is just you know, empowering stuff. And it's, it doesn't have to be hiking, right? It could be whatever it is for someone. It's, I, I like to think that my book called The Unintended Positive Consequences of Hiking, available on Amazon. Yes, I, I hiked. But I think my, and some, you know, some of the stories or chapters are definitely about hiking and a, a direct impact, but we can get to nature in, in some, uh, some uh, other ways. But it, it really is about like, I'm this 59 year old woman who was not a hiker, who had a pair of boots and did all of these things crazy things not really crazy and because I don't even I don't see it as crazy now right meaning wow how'd you do that it doesn't feel wow to me anymore why because I did it yeah. you know I took on 60 hikes going oh my god I just told everybody I'm going to do five hikes a month in a year and I did that in four and a half months because it just like just got into my soul and then on the way down from that 60th hike <laughs> there goes my mind like well you know you could what are you gonna do now you're not 60 so let's double that hike let's double that number yeah that doesn't really that doesn't seem hard because i just did 60 so then i throw out the 180 number so i mean i have to do 120 more hikes in five and a half months six and a half months i can't do math six and a half months that meant I was hiking like five days a week to complete that goal. That's a lot. And I saw it as a metaphor of um, 180 degree turnaround in my life. I had no idea what that was going to mean. It meant I was going to be an orphan. I wasn't going to have my parents anymore. Didn't know that. I was going to be more fit than I probably have been in my whole life. And there's, you know, so many other things that, that have happened and, in the wake of that and, and it's still happening. I'm still, I'm still turning. I'm still evolving. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds amazing. It's great to read about. I mean, it really does. Your spirit comes through your writing. Well, so my, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not some literary track person, right? I, I, I write as I speak. One of the, one of the greatest reviews I got, and I'll probably wrap up here. It's one of my girlfriends who said she felt like she was just having a cup of coffee in a conversation with me. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> cause the way, you know, I approached it was the chapters aren't super long. Cause I, I don't want, I sometimes get bored reading you know, these long chapters of things. I, I want to, I don't know, be entertained in my reading. I want to be 
inspired, entertained, in, engaged. So I felt to drag these on, it just wasn't necessary. Like, let's just, let's just get it, get it out there, you know, mm -hmm. get the info out there. I could have made it a bigger book too. Right. But I just wanted to get it out there. I think, I think it was good. Like amount of data. Yeah. I think it's perfect. It is really, um, it's fun to read. You want to keep reading it. It is engaging. Oh. So Thank you. yeah. Thanks for reading. Thanks for coming on my journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for, um, thanks for writing the book. It was, it was great. And I'll definitely, I'll put the link to your website in the show notes and the link to where people can go and, and get the book. And I definitely recommend it. It's a, it's a really lovely read. And, um, thank you so much for, for being here with me today, Lori, and taking the time to chat about your, your book and your story. Thank you so much. You're it's welcome. Really nice meeting you. Yeah. Likewise. And thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next time. <laughs>